What's up, you beauties? Welcome to High and Wide Radio, episode 19 of season 5. My name is Jim Iacobone, and I'm joined by the one and only Jack Smith. Travis Ballinghoff has the night off. If you're not listening live, which you, you should be because we're live, please make sure to subscribe, follow, and listen to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe and hit the alert button. This way you get an alert uh, bef- uh, just before uh, every episode to alert you when we're going to go uh, live. Uh, feel free to drop us a comment and leave a five-star rating while you're at it, please. Let's also shout out the affiliate site, fullpresscoverage.com. Uh, and make sure you head over to hwhockey.net where you can now find the Pops Group Bullet podcast and the Time My Skates podcast. <clears throat> All right, Jack. So um, trade deadline's done. Obviously, we're going to touch. We're going to talk a lot about that. We do have a guest coming up uh, later on in the episode, Miss Jennifer uh, Chaffero, uh of the uh, Bag of Donuts podcast, Pittsburgh Penguins podcast. We're going to talk some Ron Hextall and some Pittsburgh Penguins later on in the episode. But first... Uh, let's talk trade deadline aftermath, Jack. Uh, the unfathomable <laughs> happened on Friday evening, uh, afternoon. And I don't think, at least not in our circle, I don't think anybody thought that not moving JVR was even a possibility. And it, it almost brought us to a new low. I think... On our episode last week, we talked about, yeah, the Flyers got pumped 7-0 against Jersey. The stadium was inv- – uh, the arena was invaded by Rangers fans, and we're kind of talking like, man, things just keep getting lower, and how can they get worse? Then Friday afternoon comes, and- <laughs> <laughs> which was, I think, the day after we recorded or two days later, so it's just, it's just crazy how things just get worse. But Chuck Fletcher fails to trade – James Van Riemsdyk, which – so there's a couple things here. Number one, he didn't get anything for the player, anything at all. <laughs> and number two, he didn't give – and not that I really honestly care that James Van Riemsdyk doesn't have an opportunity to win the Stanley Cup, but he didn't give James Van Riemsdyk, 34-year-old veteran, not you know probably not too many years left in the tank here – didn't give him a shot to win the Stanley Cup somewhere else, you know. So if you if you're looking at if you're a player and you see that, how does that encourage you to want to go play for the Flyers? You know, Jack. Like, talk about your disappointment. How did you feel Friday? Like leading up to the deadline and immediately after it was done. It was it was amazing because as you kind of alluded to earlier, like nobody was coming out and saying before the trade deadline that JVR has no value. There's no way nobody wants him. Nobody said that it was only what they were going to get for him. It's either going to be a draft pick or here or there, or maybe a player or something like that. Nobody said a word about him actually not getting him. And we joked around and we were like, yeah, we're getting really close. This could really happen. But then he made those trades with um with brown and McEwen, and it's like all right here he goes he's active he's just waiting like we all said he, he just waits too long and then it got to the point where i remember him being involved with detroit and they're waiting on a third i'm like detroit i thought they wanted to trade him to a contender and i'm thinking do they are they have do they not have multiple offers here like there's no way he doesn't get moved for nothing and then that deal falls through, and then you're looking at the clock, and you're like, oh, my God, he, we're going to get that text. 
he was JVR has not been moved, and it sure enough, it happened. And I, he, 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 I was so I couldn't believe it. I saw, I just was la- I laughed, I laughed because I couldn't cry, kind of thing. Like, I could not believe he didn't actually move him. And Fletcher has done something that he hasn't done since the offseason, and he's just brought everybody back together for the most part. Like, everybody is just. How could you be this stupid? How could you be this bad at your job? And I do see a couple of people who are still def- still defending, uh, saying that JVR had like zero value now. But again, nothing before the trade deadline. But that's it. It seems to not be too many people. And yeah, and now there's this with the town hall stuff. Like what a chain of events in the last however many hours like just insane i'm so angry with the organization that i was kind of like forgot how much i hate them and they just reminded me all over again how bad they are and how much they i'm just so embarrassed that that this is the flyers now that's uh i was in disbelief total and utter disbelief and so I mean, we'll, we'll talk about earlier in the week as well, but that day, I woke up that day thinking they need, you know, if JVR, the longer Chuck has him today, the more likely he's going to get burnt badly on a deal. I never, I never honestly considered that he was not going to move him. I just knew that the closer it got to three, the worse the return was going to be. Because teams didn't, if they didn't trade for JVR, you know, before 250, teams didn't need them or they didn't have an interest in them, right? And so when 250 rolled around, I started doing the countdown on Twitter. I'm like, it's 250 and JVR is still a flyer here, like kind of hinting like this really might not happen. 253 rolls around, 255, 257. And I'm like, oh my God, is this, like reality was starting to set in a little bit that, this could actually happen. And sure enough, three o'clock rolls around. And sure, there's usually some trades that trickle through, but I think I, I, I think it was Sarah Valley or maybe Drager that tweeted out shortly after 3 p.m. that JVR was still a Philadelphia Flyer. And I, you want to laugh, but I think it's a little bit past that, right? Like sometimes you, you laugh through the, the pain or the, the whatever you want to call it, but... This time, like I just kind of sunk in my seat a little bit. I was like, "This, that's just unbelievable to me that you didn't move this guy for anything." And so let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about the week leading up, right? And when I knew something was weird when the Winnipeg Jets traded for Nito Niederreiter, and and that kind of signaled. because let's throw let's throw JVR in that category, right? Like he's a depth scoring winger, which is what Niederreiter is. Um, only JVR doesn't score as as much anymore. He's, you know, if you need a guy on the power play, it's JVR. You know, five on five, you're not going to get much. You're not going to get much defensively out of him. Yada yada. So, with that in mind, when I saw Niederreiter go, I think he went first for for guys of that ilk. I was like, oh shit, like. Chuck needs to get going now. Like he needs to adjust because Winnipeg was rumored to be in on JVR and they pivoted. I think they traded for Niederreiter. I want to say they gave up a third round pick. As soon as that trade went down, if Chuck Fletcher didn't think that he needed to budge a little bit, he was sorely 
sorely mistaken. I think the rumor was that he needed to get it. He was looking for a second and a third for JVR. And hats off for, to him for that, for trying to, you know, get maximum value, you know, at a time when, you know, they need a second round pick, I think this year and next. So why not try to get a, a couple picks? The issue, I think, is that he never adjusted because multiple teams after that pivoted for cheaper, perceived cheaper players. You know, I, I, another guy that comes to mind is, is Marcus Johansson. I think went to Minnesota. I want to say for a third. I, I have to double check that. Uh, Gus Nyquist, who's going to be in on the IR until the playoffs, went for a cheap pick. If you're a GM and you're honest with yourself, you're like, okay, these guys are all in the same pool of talent as JVR. And, you know, maybe Nyquist being on the IR makes him more valuable or something. Or personally, I would take Nita Ryder over JVR as well. Um, Johansson, not crazy about the player, but, you know, he's passed around. I think he's got playoff experience, whatever. There's, there's something. Fletcher needed to adjust. If teams weren't going to give up a second and a third, okay, well, what about just the three? No. Okay, what about just a four? Because at this point, you know, things are starting to move. If you remember earlier in the week, Jack, the trade deadline was basically a week long this year. You know, the day of was kind of a dud, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that, everything you were saying about was weird. The timeline's pretty similar. Just all these teams are interested in the way we were talking in our circles. and our, You've seen it on Twitter. You've seen it on social media. It was like once the big dominoes fall, the team, the Myers, the, you know, the people, the players of that ilk, you know, O'Reilly, you know, then we're going to get into JR, JVR territory. And then we're going to get, we were hoping for a second, second and third have been floated. Well, third's fine, whatever. And it was just, what are we going to get? And everybody, we read so many reports that teams were in on JVR and those very same teams were very active. This was one of the, this is a very, very active trade deadline. And like you just said with Winnipeg, they go off, they go in another direction. This team that we was interested goes in another direction. You know, it just, it just happened way more and more. And it was like, okay, well, where's he going to go? Like, what's the, what are we going to do here? Like who's left? Why isn't he anything? And all of that screams that he had a price point to his credit. Sure. Great. Yeah. Get as much as you can. But when you started losing places to trade him to, why did he not, fix it why did he not take away the additional third or whatever and you can tell he held out way too long where people probably kept offering him less and less and he got to a point where he took a desperation move because why why would detroit want him you know what's detroit going to do with him so what so they must have had something funky in mind so he, he panics to a trade like that and it falls through and, and it, it just doesn't happen. And it's like from that timeline, the different teams that were interested, literally making for another trade of the same ilk, you know, you could literally see what was happening. If all the the breadcrumbs are there, he oh, over, he overplayed his hand, he misread the market, and he got he was it was scared us all. He got he got completely screwed, and it hurts the team. Just absolute, absolutely, it's inexcusable to do what he did. And we were talking a little bit today, like I kind of listed, you know, Fletcher's fireable offenses and 
in my eyes, there are a couple. This is another one of them. Like, how does this, how do you keep this man around after he shows his ineptitude? Like, this is something. So, I, I, a lot of fans might disagree, but you owe a veteran player like JVR an opportunity to go at least play for a cup somewhere else. Even if that means you only get a four, five, six, people would laugh at that, right? But you're saving the organization money, which if, if, well, I don't want to talk, I don't want to make this about Comcast, but you know, you're saving the organization, whatever's left on JVR's salary. You're getting at least something, a, a lottery ticket, four, five, six, or if you make a trade, it's a you know another chip that you toss into the trade. Something. Instead, they're left with JVR still in a Flyers uniform. They're paying the rest of his salary, all of it, and they don't get a pick. I remember when it was rumored that he was being traded to Detroit. I was like, wow, like I, I kind of feel relieved because I don't have to watch JVR in a Flyers uniform anymore. And like 10 minutes later, I'm like, oh my God, like I still have to watch him for 20 more <laughs> games. Like what? How is this happening? Oh, that would only happen to the Flyers. Yeah. Right? Because it's it's thing. Every deal that was announced that day happened. Yeah. When the Flyers <laughs> were when they were rumored to finally trade their you know, perceived big fish. Oh, there's a snag. And you're right. When Detroit was rumored in that, it was like, Detroit, what do they need JVR for? You know, and, and even Iserman came out. He said they were purely sellers. Um, whether he's throwing shade at, at Chuck there or what, or, you know, maybe they, they called up Detroit last minute to be a third-party broker type thing. It was just, it was all very too late. It was too late, and... You know, we were talking a little bit more today about GM. If you're a general manager in the National Hockey League, you need to be proactive and you need to have a plan. You need to have a proactive plan. If, if this goes sideways, this is what I'm going to do. If this goes sideways, this is what I'm going to do. You can't be reactive. You can't say this is the plan and have nothing else because now you're reactive. And I'm not saying that's what Chuck Fletcher did, but we've talked about him being a reactive GM in the past and you can't be that it's the same as being a player i mean as soon as you start thinking as a player you, you lose you need to be reactive as a player as a gm you need to be proactive you need to be ready for your shit to hit the fan and have a plan for when it does and chuck fletcher didn't right boy did he, did he not <laughs> it's it's very discouraging i mean if you weren't discouraged enough I mean, what's going to happen next with these guys? I'm afraid to ask. I, I feel like we hit rock bottom so many times that we just keep finding the deeper. It's unbelievable. What are they going to do next? There's a good trade deadline here. fell right in line with all that. Just everything we had heard going back to last year, the big scandals. It's just like another one. Just another feather in the cap of the, <laughs> the Flyers front office. So I had forgot this this comment there in his uh... – during his post-trade uh, deadline conference, he said he made 17 calls that day and only received two the day before uh, the trade deadline day. I couldn't believe that he said that. I couldn't believe that he said that. There, Jack, there's 31 teams. There's 32 teams in the National Hockey League. 
31 besides the Flyers. He made 17 calls. He called half the league. You know, I get, I get it. There's, you know, 16, 17, 18 teams in the playoff race. But if you're looking for a third-party team, you should be calling every single team. He called, assuming that he called 17 different teams, because you know yeah, he didn't call 17 one, different 17 teams. Times. <laughs> this guy is a, a total, total joke. And the other thing that bothered me a little bit, because he kind of slipped. He slipped a little bit when he said this. The trade that he made with Los Angeles was originally Zach McEwen for a fifth-round pick. He mentioned that Rob Blake said, okay, uh, let's do this, but I need to find a place for Brendan Lemieux. Great. All right. If you're Chuck Fletcher, you can go, well, you know, we can fit Brendan Lemieux under, under our cap. Send him our way, and we'll take a 6-2 while you're at it. Or, or – because teams are doing this, believe it or not. We'll, we'll take a 2024 pick or a 2025 pick. Something, anything for doing you a favor. Instead, he's such a nice guy. He says, oh, you know what? Because we really want this fifth-round pick, we'll take Brendan Lemieux off your hands. We'll take him. No problem. The guy hasn't played, I think, since the middle of February. Just a bad, he's just comment. a bad GM, Jack. Like the Tony D'Angelo trade, uh, not signing him in the first place, signals bad GM. Trading assets to then, you know, acquire the guy more than you had to, signing him for two years, five million apiece, bad GM, <laughs> right? Uh, you, you can't really at the time because you know it's easy to shit on him now for moving a second to get rid of Ghost. At the time, it was like, well, I guess you needed to do that. Another example of bad GMing because there was other things that you could have done with Ghost rather than give up two picks, one being a second for another team to take them. Now, all of a sudden, he's a guy at the trade deadline teams want. He went for a third-round pick to Carolina. Another example of bad GMing, you trade for a Rasmus Ristolainen. Doesn't look like he's going to pan out here. He might generate some interest at the trade deadline. Maybe you recoup some of your assets that you traded to give him up. No, you doubled down. Bad GMing. This guy's not a good GM. He's not good. He, he, he's mediocre at best. Some of his best moves were when he first came here for, for when he traded for Niskanen. Solid little move. Traded the fifth round pick for Hayes, signed him to a shit contract. Um, we can argue back and forth uh, about the trade for Braun. I like the proact. I like that he was proactive. Was his second and a third a little steep? Absolutely. Um, so, but there was some give or take, right? And it's like the good moves that he's made have been okay. Like Atkinson for Voracek. Okay. It's pretty fair trade off. You could argue even that Voracek's a little better, but they needed to change the chemistry in the room. But the moves where he, he loses his ass, he, he absolutely gets murdered on them. And he's just, he's not a good GM is what it comes down to. He's just not good. And in a, in a, in a, in a league where it's results driven, he, it's his, his time's up. It's as simple as that. It sucks because some of his moves you can understand. Like, all right, I see what he's trying to do. I see what he's trying to do here. But you swung and missed. So you got to go. It's that simple. 
I mean, other teams don't even wait this long, like that long, you know, before it really gets bad. Like, like look at Vegas, how often they're like moving things and shaking things out there. They're just like, if it's not working, move it along. Why are we going to hang on to something that's just not working? I don't know what the hell they're doing here. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, how much more do you have to see? Who are you protecting? What don't you know? Like, where's the, where's the front office plan for this? Like, how is this guy still here? And I, I keep going back to the lightning rod thing, but now I'm not even convinced Briere is the next GM. I have no idea what they're going to do. I'm at the point where I think Comcast could completely clean house. Like, I, I just don't understand. I think he could be one of the worst GMs you've ever seen, not just in Philly. And part of that is because they just won't fire him. Like if you usually guys get fired by this point, you know, and they can't make continually bad decisions like this. Like he's in Shirelli territory with this, and that damages teams. You know, I mean, when he first came in here, made some good moves. He had some cap space. Like the one thing Hexel did was get rid of some cap space. Like a lot of dead cap he got rid of. He came in here, and as quickly as we got it, he spent it all right away. He made some good moves. He made some bad moves. I really liked the Niskanen move. I thought that was a genius move. He probably overpaid for Hayes, but it was a a free agent deal. Like I think if you wanted him, you were going to have to pay that, and they all understood that. And ever since COVID hit, I don't – just not a clue in the world. Completely different guy. Looked completely inexperienced. I don't know what to do here. I'm in over my head. We saw little moves here and there. We saw the teams seriously take a nosedive. And it wasn't until last season, that offseason, that I thought he was having a little bit of a resurgence, trading for Ellis. trading. For, he took a swing. Or, hey, he took a swing. It's like I can ask for you. He addressed the need. Uh, Atkinson for Voracek, things of that nature. And guys coming up, it was like, okay, this is his swan song. This is his comeback after COVID. We're going to go for it. And things crashed and burned even worse. So then I say, what more do you need to see? What more do you need to see? And you look at the contract situations they're in and like, do you want him to keep doing this? You know, he can do damage. He can still do damage. And it might not be as bad as an eight-year contract on a bad player, but not getting assets for JVR, it's tech, it's it's damage. You no longer have currency you could use, whether it's to trade up in the draft, trade for something you want, trade trade back or whatever, get rid of a con- help get rid of a contract. He does he does not have that ammunition, which he burns through when you look at the Tony D'Angelo deal, among others, because of his he's just not adequate to do his job and they won't let him go. I don't know what's next, but I I'm afraid to I'm just afraid. <laughs> That's the thing. And I, it's like I don't even want to say it because like how what else could possibly happen? What more can be done? Like, how much lower can this possibly go? There, every time I say that, it keeps going for literally <laughs> the last, I don't know, it seems the last two, three years, Jack. It's like, okay, well, this happened, but, you know, it's, it's okay because you can only go up once you hit the bottom. But we keep finding that they somehow find a new bottom. It seems like every week it's insane. It's impressive. I I think you said (laughs) before, it's like as a flyers podcaster, as much as I'd rather see them just win and talk about matchups and, you know, playoff series and they do give us a lot of content, you know, a hell of a lot of content and it is goofy. It is some of the goofiest crap, and they're the whole, I'm literally starting to turn everybody in the organization. And I don't mean to segue or anything, but I have to bring it up. The th- whatever we saw 
with the town hall and particularly Steve Coates. Like that, I think that irks me more after a huge fail from Fletcher. You're not going to allow your season ticket holders to, to express their emotion. Like it just happened. Show some class that takes balls coming from them. Balls. What was Steve Coates thinking? Instant heel. Instant heel status by being a complete airhead. Like, I couldn't believe that. And then he follows it up with, like, don't root for anybody else. Like, anybody else there is friggin' happy. What, again, what balls to say that? Like, oh, somebody shouted out, like, don't ruin the Flyers. I'm like, I wish they would have pulled that on. I wish it would have got worse. I really do. Like, what balls they got to, to have that performance and act that way. They should just. We need such a cleansing. It is unbelievable. And I'm really afraid it's going to be way too late when it happens. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more. It, it needs, there needs to be change. And, you know, I, I, I recognize that we were saying this, I don't know how long it is ago now, four or five years, we were saying the same thing, but obviously they didn't get the right guy. And I think when, you know, fans or media, whoever, when we start to clamor for change, we always think that it's going to change for the better. And this is an example of, you know, it, it changed for the worse. Um, you know, like Hextall's whole thing was draft, draft, draft. And, you know, that's, that's great. You need the picks to pan out, number one. Number two, he didn't do anything with the roster whatsoever. And number three, apparently the culture went to shit. Okay, so the next guy's got a tall task, right? Comes in, you're thinking, okay, well, he's going to rearrange the roster a bit. Every fear that we had with Chuck Fletcher came to fruition. Wasn't a good GM in Minnesota. Not a good GM in Philadelphia. Not sure why... Anyone thought that was going to change. I mean, we know why he was hired, right? It's his dad. Yeah, his dad knew Bobby Clark. I, I hate even saying that because they picked him over better options be, because they knew him. And the team has been in a tailspin for, I mean, it's been more than Fletcher's uh, tenure here, but it, it wasn't supposed to get worse after Hextall. It shouldn't have gotten worse. And at the time, we didn't think that it could get worse. But it did. And we're five years into this. And it's like, well, I say, I, I, so I say this to a lot of people who I had to learn this myself, right? Because I have Crohn's disease and, you know, I went through a bunch of stuff. It took you however long, however many years to get sick, you're not going to cure yourself in a month. So with the Flyers, we're talking, you know, five, six, seven years worth of damage here. They're not going to be able to fix themselves in a year or two. So we're looking already at a two, three-year, four-year thing. And I'm, I'm using that timeline because that's how long John Tortorella is signed for. If they don't get this ship right, by the end of his tenure, we could be looking at another four or five year type thing going on. And now we're well into the second decade of suck. <laughs> 
So it's, I don't know. We keep finding new bottoms. I'm a hopeful guy. I keep looking for reasons to hope, you know, and uh, maybe in some ways that makes me stupid because, you know, you know, you and a lot of the guys uh, in, on the HW team are like, just tear it down. You've been saying it for years. Just tear it down, sell off the players, get as many draft picks, lottery later on, uh, lottery tickets as you can. See what you can do. And I've always fought against that because I'm like, ah, oh, well, you know, their lottery tickets. We saw what happened under Hextall. I know we didn't do full rebuild, but I, I just don't have faith that they're going to hit on the majority of their draft picks. That's where I come from with that. So I'm hopeful that they're able to find a way which is what they get paid to do. They get paid to find a way to, to you know, do their job, plain and simple. To I'm hoping that they can find a way in two to three, two to four years to have this thing right. I know it's not going to happen in a year. I mean, it looks like we've seen somewhat of a culture shift amongst players, at least, because they, they, they're in every single game. Um, and... Man, I'm just I'm afraid to look forward, I think, you know, because I don't want to sound more foolish than I already do. Because the what the Flyers do is they make you look like an asshole. If you're a hopeful guy, if you if you try to be positive, they make you look stupid because they they just they're just not a good organization from. From top down to Tortorella, because Tortorella kind of is stopping that, in my opinion. It used to go from the top down to the players. Now it stops at Tortorella, in my opinion. So that's we're about a half an hour into the show. That's uh, I mean we've. What do you think, Jack? Should, should we move on a little bit? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, I agree with everything you said. They, they got to stop the bleeding though before that can begin. And they, yeah, when's that going to happen? Here you go. It looks like you have another. Uh, Agree or here with you. They have to tear it down. They have nothing remotely close to a generational player or even a 1A guy. That's uh, Shadow 3X. I think that's Dave. I don't know if you want me to reveal your identity, but I think uh, that's that's Dave. Shadow 3X. Thanks for hanging out, Dave. It's good to see you. Hmm. All right. So let's get to some more, uh, more bad news, actually. <laughs> Tony D'Angelo suspended two games <laughs> for – Spearing Corey Perry in the coin purse. Did you see that play, Jack? Oh, yeah. What did you think about that? Pretty good. Uh, I, I loved every second of it. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't believe it. That I was just, did he really just do that? And you see the replay, you're like, holy cow. And, I, and I'm just like, I'm kind of, I'm not going to lie. If it was to happen to anybody, Corey Perry is a good guy for it to happen to with all yeah. the dirty shit he's been doing most of his career. But still, it's like, geez, you didn't even try to conceal it or anything and make it look like you missed by accident. He had a plan. He he was anything but Chuck Fletcher on that. He was like, <laughs> I got a plan, and I'm going to follow through with this plan. And he did. It's like, I'm surprised he only got two games, to be honest with you, just because it was so flagrant. Yeah. You know? like, yeah. like, I don't give a rat's ass. I'm doing this, and whatever happens, happens. And yeah, I mean, what do you expect? It's Tony D'Angelo. He gets—he's an emotional guy. When you get him going, anything's possible. So I was thinking about this earlier today, and it kept coming to mind that hey, it's part of the game. And people will say, no, that's not part of the game. 
but it happened and it happens and it will happen again. So it is part of the game, unfortunately, but you know, it comes with a match penalty. It comes with a two game suspension. Um, so I, I kind of, my thoughts kind of echo Tortorella's comments after the game where, yeah, he knows that's wrong, right? There's a line that you, you walk when, when you're a player, when you, when you're a, a guy with the personality of Tony D'Angelo, where, you know, you're a little hot blooded, right? When, when you're in a game, you're a little emotional, which I love. And Tortorella likes guys like that. I think you need to be emotionally invested in a game if you're going to play it, you know? Um, but again, there's a line. And spearing somebody in the gonads with your stick, I think, goes over the line a little bit. Um, you know, I'm not going to say anything controversial. But that's, you know, it's, uh, you know, two games. Yeah, he deserved it, I guess. Corey Perry probably deserved what he got. You know, nobody nobody got seriously injured. He got right back up and went after Tony D. Like, these guys wear protection there. So, I mean, we've, we've all been hit in that area before. If you have some sort of protection there, you're more surprised that a stick just jabbed you in that area. If you're not wearing protection, you're, you're an idiot, number one. Number two, if you're Corey Perry, you're staying down. You're not getting right back up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so, you know, I, I'm always the type, nobody got hurt. You know, penalty is a little shorter. If somebody gets hurt, all right, well, this guy's going to miss a game or two. Now you got to miss four kind of thing. You know what I mean? Um, Should have thought before you did that kind of thing. Because you can play with emotion. You can play on the edge. Doesn't give you the right to do anything stupid, though. Doesn't give you the right to intentionally attempt to hurt somebody. Because, you know, that's all. I'm not going to make it too serious because all it was was a poke in the nuts, which is more funny to me than anything, as long as nobody gets hurt. Um, so, yeah, um, that's all I really have to say about that. You have anything you want to add in there? I just I feel I feel a little for him. I feel a little for Tony. I think he was really upset going into the game, hoping he was going to be the one that got traded to Carolina wasn't him it was ghost instead and you know he's stuck here you know he's gotta he's gotta lose he went from went into losing he's gonna cash every every cent of that paycheck but I, I think he's living with a lot a little bit more edge than he, even he's used to right now he's gotta be hot that's a good point you know surprised me if a teammate fight was coming next yeah, maybe they maybe they need one I don't know that would uh, be lower <laughs> I do want to bring something up because on a, a past show I, we got to give uh, Travis a shout out here past shows Travis had mentioned that Carolina had interest in Tony D'Angelo. Tony D'Angelo had interest in going back to Carolina. It's no coincidence that Carolina seemingly pivoted and traded for probably a cheaper version of Tony D'Angelo and Shane Gossespierre. I think they gave up a third-round pick. Flyers gave up, I think, a second, second, third, and a fourth, or a second, fourth, and a fifth, something like that. So I mean, but the but the the main pick was the second. So I'm I'm going to assume they were trying to recoup some of what they moved, knowing Chuck Fletcher because he probably wasn't going to ask for more like he should have. Like team needs a right-handed power play defenseman, 
ask for a first round pick, you dunce. Um, either way, though, Carolina shifted to uh, Arizona and traded the third for Ghost. So I just thought that was interesting. Travis was dead on with that. Um, and them trading for Ghost kind of proves, you know, that that was true. Um, all right. So let's move on to our next topic here. So more good news. Joel Farabee and Travis Sanheim were benched in the second period of last night's game against the Tampa Bay Lightning, where the Flyers did lose 5-2. to two. Uh, Tortorella was asked about that. And, you know, uh, if he thought the benching changed anything for those players. He did mention Farabee had a couple of good chances in the third, so maybe made a difference for Farabee. Didn't have anything positive to say about Travis Sanheim, who was signed here for eight more years starting next year. Jack, any thoughts on the benching for Farabee and Sanheim? I mean, whatever torts, in my opinion, with where this team has been, what I'm seeing on the ice, like if torts benched him, it was probably for a pretty good reason. He's had enough of something and you can't back Sanheim's play. We know Farabee's fr- uh, fr- frustrated. You know, I, 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 I truly believe if, Torts did it. It was for the right reasonings. And you see certain players react differently to this stuff. And I'm already starting to see Twitter. Um, you think Torts is starting to lose a locker room? I was like, oh my God. Like, if, I swear to God, if this team, because there's still a lot of these players here, if they run out another coach with their crybaby bullshit, I don't, I'll be. I'll really be at a loss because, like you alluded to before, the front office might have its issues, but it stopped a Tortorella, and he had was getting that under control. So any idea that that could be stripped, not to mention if they do fire GM and they don't get Briere and they go outside of the organization, uh, you kind of limit who you're going to bring in when you already have a coach, you know, especially when you just signed um, and has some has some uh, pull in the organization. So. I just, I don't know. I, I, that stuff already being floated. It just, I just, it just did not like the way it felt. Why are we, why are we starting to shake, like worry about Tortorella's decision-making all of a sudden? Like, I, is that a, a feeling you saw on Twitter with, with some of these benchings and defending of D'Angelo as well? People, certain people didn't like that. You know, are you, where are you at with all that? How do I, I'm just going to say it. The people that criticize Tortorella for maybe being too tough are all the same people. Uh, I'm sorry, that's not really fair to say. They're all similar. It's mostly what I see is the younger crowd kind of thing. Um, here's the thing. If you're a professional athlete, Obviously, you need to be physically strong. You need to have the physical tools. To be the best, you need to be strong mentally. You need to be open to learning also. What John Tortorella does is he attempts to make players better. And first thing first, you need to want to be better. You need to want to be better. Right, You can't just hope that you get better. You need to go out and prove that you can be better. If you don't deserve ice time over Nick Sealer, Rasmus Ristolainen, Justin Braun, you need to ask yourself 
why am I, why are they playing over me? I'm better than them. What am I not doing that I'm sitting on this bench? Am I giving it a hundred percent? Am I making the right decisions? You know, and this is kind of funny because the people that I see criticizing, and this is, I'm assuming here, so nobody get upset. Some of the stuff that I see them say, it's like, whoa, you might need to look in the mirror here a little bit, you know? Like for you to come up with the conclusions that you're coming up with, you might want to do some self uh, introspection. And then it kind of segues to the player. The players need to be honest with themselves. Obviously, John Tortorella's a good coach. You may not uh, you may not like his style and his tactics, but I think you have to trust as a player that he has your best interest in mind. So you need to listen and you need to understand where he's coming from. Because I think as humans, what we do is we attempt to, to hear things the way, to interpret things the way we think. Instead of listening to what the, the guy is saying. So if, if Tortorella is benching you, it's not because you're not a good player. It's because he's not getting what he wants out of you. And I'm sure there's been conversations. I'm sure Travis Sanheim knows and Joel Farabee knows what John Tortorella wants out of them. Why is he not getting it? I'm sure that's what Torts is asking himself. Then it's up to the player. Can I do what he's asking me? Am I capable? The answer should always be yes. And then the next step is going out and doing it. If Sanheim's not doing that, there's, a, there's, there's an issue. I mean, we're three quarters through the year. A lot of players have improved under Tortorella. Guys that I don't think we thought were going to improve. Uh, I'll speak for myself. I didn't think Owen Tippett could be this. I was, I was very wrong on Owen Tippett. Morgan Frost had some hot stretches. You know, the, it's been a little while. We'd like to see the consistency back. Noah Cates looks like he's, you know, shooing for the roster for the years to come. There you go. Dave right here. Cates has no problem meeting expectations. Tippett, these two can't figure it out. And I, I think Torts is out of things. I think he's out of solutions with Sanheim, which is an issue, Jack, because Sanheim, his eight-year deal that Fletcher felt he needed to sign to before the season started. But the new coach, yeah. Kicks in next season. Yeah, it makes no sense. Yeah, no sense. genius move. So for Faraby, I'm going to give a pass because of the whole neck thing. I'm going to give him the summer to, you know, get strong, beef up. You know, getting actually, you know, training camp shape next year, I think we're going to see he's going to have a monster season. And if we don't, okay, then there's something we got to look at. Sandheim, I don't have – the guy I think just is what he is. This guy won most improved player twice, <laughs> which means, okay, he had two pretty decent seasons, but it means he had two really bad seasons in that span as well. What is Travis Sandheim, Jack? What do you think? I, I, that, if I can answer that question, I wouldn't be talking to you. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good one. Uh, I don't know. I've seen like night and day with this guy. I'm seeing a lot more night though. Like my God, it is, it is not good. And he's just, 
I, I don't know if too much of them is was attached to how bad the locker room culture was before or something, the country club culture or something like that, and he just can't get on board or isn't willing. You really irked me with how you brought up how Fletcher had to sign him. Like, yeah, like you're bringing in a new coach. Why would, Why do you have to do it now? You get some kind of mega deal? The team's terrible. Like, he was going to have an amazing season or something, then you're screwed. Like, every time he has gotten a new, new contract, I've always been upset. Like, every time. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's not good. There's a reason for that. You know, and I, I never thought he was bad. I didn't think he would be, like, this bad consistently. I always thought he figured it out. But, geez, at some point you got to – I'm going to say cut your loss to a guy that's got an eight-year contract. Like, Tortorella has clout. He's earned that clout. Like, Sandheim has nothing. Like, you can't choose the player over the coach in this scenario. You can't, but you're tied to him for that. This is what you go back to five, six, seven years, this franchise could have been set back. You need to let Fletcher go so he can't do shit like this. This is exactly – it all comes full circle here. Like you left Shirelli too long in Edmonton and he did some really stupid shit, you know, and he held on to him too long and he nailed down a contract too late. Fletcher is still doing negative stuff to this team. Who knows what's next? Just pull the goddamn plug, please. This is silly. Sure is. Uh, real quick, off off topic. So our buddy Antagracia just posted a picture in uh, the group chat and his daughter's watching. So she's still watching Madison. Hey, Madison, I think your birthday was a couple days ago. Happy birthday. So, Well, happy birthday. That's beautiful. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, all right. So let's move on to our next topic. We have our guest joining us in about five minutes here. Last topic before we get to our guest, Jack. Is a bottom five finish for the Flyers still attainable, in your opinion? Oh, very unlikely, but I won't rule it out. I mean – they keep getting people injured and suspended, you know, taking people out of the lineup and they're benches guys as well. But you know, for the outside of a few interesting games, they, the good, the guys we like the Kates of the world, they still pretty play pretty hard. Um, however, that schedule's pretty tough coming up. So they could be in line to lose a lot of games. They seem to take care of business against media, very mediocre teams. But once they start playing those upper echelon games, you're, you could be, could be a blowout. It could be a five to one loss. Like, it, especially the more they lose players and and whatnot. So, um, I can't rule it out because of that. I don't think it happens, but it's. I'm I'm going to sleep with a rabbit's foot every night, Jim. I'm finding the four <laughs> four leaf clover in my garden, doing everything I can. But so we got a couple I don't games. Think it happens. Couple games going tonight for the tank watch. We got Chicago winning right now, two one over Detroit, which that's good for the Flyers. Uh, Chicago's behind them, and then at ten o'clock tonight, Jack, we have a marquee matchup: the Anaheim Ducks face off against the Vancouver Canucks. Mm. And I believe so. I don't think the Flyers are going to catch Anaheim in terms of, of points right now. Anaheim's down. Uh, they are the fourth worst team, uh, fifty points. Vancouver, however is just behind the Flyers with 57 points. So I think we're rooting for a Vancouver win. Uh, it would They would essentially, I believe, skip the Flyers because they have more regulation wins. So the Flyers have an opportunity to slide down the standings by a spot tonight. Let's uh, go. Yeah. So Something to watch for, everybody. <laughs> tank watch. Yeah, Chicago with a win would go 51 points, and they would be just eight points uh, behind the Philadelphia Flyers. 
in that aspect. Uh, we'll look ahead a little bit here. Flyers next, really, actually all their games, to finish out the month of March. Uh, this week they have Carolina. In Carolina on Thursday night, they face off against Shane Gossespierre. You would assume that's a loss. They played Carolina somewhat tough, I believe, before the break. And then uh, Saturday they have the 3.30 game at Pittsburgh. You would assume, once again, that that would be a loss. And then uh, they're home for seven games in a row. And this is where, hopefully, they don't. They could pick up some points. I'm not going to go through the whole list, but uh, I mean, we're looking at teams like Vegas, Carolina, Buffalo, Minnesota, Florida, uh, and then two winnable games against Detroit and Montreal to wrap that up. So, you know, hopefully no more than four or five points the rest of this month, uh, and then they'll finish up April. They have eight games in April where they do play the Blackhawks once and Columbus once. The rest of the games should be losses. <laughs> so let's hope they, you know, they only have six or seven points left in them the rest of the year. And you know, maybe they could slide down the standings a, a little bit. All we can hope for. Yeah. Um, okay, so it looks like our guest has joined the stream. I want to make sure that Jennifer's set up before we bring her in. So we will start. I will we'll give three minutes just to get settled in back there. So, yeah, uh, bottom five finish could be attainable. A little bit of Metro talk, though, Jack. Shane Gossespierre, have you seen this, what he's doing in Carolina since he's been there? I'd rather not. I, I think he has five points. I'm going to check now real quick. I know he scored in his first game. He sure did. And you know what's mo the most great about the trade for, for Gossespierre to Carolina? It's that I have him on, on my dynasty team. Really, wow. really bolstered my defense corps that trade. He's got four <laughs> points in three games, two goals, two, two assists for, for um, Carolina and uh, a couple power play points, I believe. So contributing right away. That, that was a – see, so somebody had mentioned, do we think uh, – I'm sorry, Bruyere. Where's that comment? Who were some of the replacements besides Bruyere? Sounds like Torts likes Bruyere but was wondering who else is out there. Anthony, thanks for uh, hanging out, Ant. So I'm not sure that – Briere is the shoe-in. If you listen to Briere talk on, I mean, go back and listen to him on our show uh, or, or, you know, other podcasts he's been on. He likes the business side. He likes not having the pressure of needing to win, of needing to do this, to do that. For jobs, it sounds like he's after more job security. He likes the business side of things, Danny Briere. And He's come out and said it, you know, but I think as fans and also because he was considered for the Montreal Canadiens job, which is why the Flyers, you know, went out of their way to make sure they retained him. We would love to see Danny Briere as general manager of the Philadelphia Flyers. He was a fan favorite. He's a great guy, passionate guy, smart. Makes sense, I think, for a GM. I'm not sure he wants that job, though. I'm not sure. Um, and then I don't know if we, if we were talking about this earlier, but the, this Toulousey guy, he's an assistant GM in Carolina would be an interesting name to, to look at. I've said a bunch of times on past shows, I would love for the flyers to model the way that they run their team, their organization after Carolina, they just make smart moves. Like, they make moves like a small 
market team. But I mean, I is Car would you consider Carolina small market? Yeah, only because if they weren't good, I think they would have serious uh, attendance issues. Okay, yeah, that's that's very fair. I think that's accurate. That's how the Flyers need to run. Even though they're, I think, considered a big market in the NHL, they need to be making smart, small market moves. Don't overspend for guys. If a guy wants to walk, let him walk. You know what I mean? Remember the Eagles? They, they let Brian Dawkins walk. But for some reason... The Flyers feel like they need to, to sign Travis Sanheim for eight years. <laughs> What's he done here to deserve that? Really so just sucks. stuff like that, you know. They need to they need to find somebody smart that has some balls, you know, yeah. and then keep them away from Tony D'Angelo, of course. All right, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So we got one more comment here. We're going to get to our guest. I don't want to keep her waiting any longer. Kenny Grant, Kenny, thanks for hanging out once again. The Clark Holmgren Barber Trio should be forced into retirement. However, will this happen before the 2023 draft? They are. They should be honored for their past accomplishments. Totally agree, and that's very, very fair to say. I don't know. We could be seeing change. There was a rumor today that we did see that we are going to be seeing change. Jack, you and I heard rumors last time this year that we were going to be seeing Chuck Fletcher looking for a job and kept them around for one more year for whatever reason. So. We'll see. Um, but let's bring in our guest. We're going to talk some Penguins, some Ron Hextall, hmm. some Sidney Crosby maybe. Miss Jennifer Trefero. Jennifer, are you there with us? Looks like she may be on mute if so. Hi. I don't know if you can see me. I can't see me. Uh, we can't see you either. Yeah. Oh, how do I fix that? Do you have uh, a camera button at the bottom there? Take your time, Jen. We'll uh, we'll hang out, wait for you here. Um, so yeah, Jack. We thought Chuck Fletcher was going to be gone last time, last season around this year, or this time of year. We had heard rumors he was even at the GM meetings, looking looking for a job because he he himself, I think, was expecting to be fired. And I heard that little rumor from over the summer. You know, he's he was getting somebody that I knew was working on his house. And whatever he got done, he, he only got like the half size of it because they didn't want to invest too much money into the house because they weren't sure if they were going to be there much longer kind of thing. You know what I mean? Now yeah. it looks like we got Jennifer up on camera here. Jennifer, whenever you're ready, just make sure to take yourself off mute. There we go. Hi, guys. Sorry hey, about Jennifer. that. No worries. Yes. It's glad to have you on. And uh, you excited to talk about a common enemy between mm. Flyers and Penguins <laughs> fans. So, you know, I've seen a lot of your tweets and uh, somebody in your media, I can't remember the name now, so I apologize, but a lot of Ron Hextall tweets, and they're not good. <laughs> you want to tell us what you're kind of going through right now with uh, Ron Hextall as your GM? I'm sure you pretty well know, but yeah. I'm basically, <laughs> we're, it's been tough. I, I'll be honest with you guys. When he first came to Pittsburgh, I was shocked. I'm like, that's like enemy territory. You don't bring in someone into a power in a place where there's history, sordid history, I should say. I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all to begin with. Um, and then he just he started off by hiring his friends and family. And by friends, I mean Jeff Carter, which was huh. a little past that's his a whole prime other now, story. Eh? That's a whole other story. But he really didn't do anything. And then come the expansion draft. 
he protects Jeff Carter and not like Jared McCann or Brandon Tanev, two players that are having really big years in Seattle right now, I might add, um, to protect, again, Jeff Carter. And then he trades recently away like our speed and youth for not an integral piece, but more players that match our theme of old and slow. We're old and slow. We're the oldest team in the NHL, I think, in NHL history. Wow. Did not Which know hurts. that. But, um, yeah, he's done one good thing. But I, I don't even think he realized it was going to be good. I think it was a fluke. <laughs> so with Raquel, but everything else has been hell. And he's like, he, he's like, says the dumbest stuff. Like, it's it's been pretty brutal. I'm, I'm, I'm not happy and I want him out. I, I'm surprised he's still employed. And I know GMs don't do anything between now and free agency, but it's, it's time to just time to get him gone. Like he needs to go. I don't think he's a good GM. He wasn't for you guys. Is is Brian Burke still out there with, with the Penguins? He is. He's also doing nothing. I'm currently reading his book, which is ironic, because he has these like four or five rules. I could be wrong on the number about hockey that he instilled when he started playing hockey. I don't know if it was high school or, or university. But they were like everything that the Pens aren't doing. But he wrote it, and he lived by these, and he articulated how he lived by these rules. And I'm sitting there going like, where, where you at, Berkey? And you know what? He's actually a great guy because I've met him. Um, but him and like him and Hexel in Pittsburgh, just they're sinking our team. They're literally sinking our team. See, I was kind of thinking, okay, well, they got Brian Burke out there. He's going to make sure that Hexel doesn't <laughs> do what he did out, what he did in Philly out there. And Excuse me. It sort of seems like. Hextall's doing the same exact thing. Like, I, yeah, I don't know how his drafting has been the last – how long has he been there? Two years now? This is his second year? It's only been two point. years? I don't know. It feels like a decade. Yeah, I, I know the feeling. We know, we know that all too well. <laughs> um, I don't know how his drafting has been, but what he did here was, you know, it was draft, draft, draft. Didn't touch the NHL roster. Some of his uh, most famous additions were Dale Weiss, uh, Terry Philpola, um, Jack, help me out here. Who else did he bring? JVR. <laughs> JVR. My God, who we couldn't, we couldn't trade on Friday because of his contract that Exel signed him to. Um, yeah, and then I saw some of the the Pittsburgh moves. You uh, you weren't too crazy for the Michael Granlin trade, huh? No, 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 not at all. Um, he's not very good, and he he's old and he's slow. <laughs> And I don't understand what they were thinking bringing him to him when we've got some core good young guns sitting in the HL that could come in and probably be better than he is. No, I didn't like it. Is that like, I, I you know what? I can't say I don't like him yet in Pittsburgh because it's only been a couple of games. So, you know, I can make a better assessment in a few weeks. But no, no. We have three players between the ages of 20 to 23 and 25 three and then we have like 15 players from 30 to 38 oh my god and then the other few are just in the guys it's you don't it's just you don't do that mm. like he re-signing gino was bad in my opinion last uh free agency because he was still there's still value in gino right um and the, the, he, they're not thinking about the long term of this team they're just thinking about right now, right? With their think 
they're thinking about right now. I don't know what anybody's thinking over there because it's just been malarkey, all of it. It's just, it's been bad. How's he been with the media, Hextall? He's kind of a jerk. <laughs> He's kind of like a smug, um, bad word. I don't, I, I don't want to swear on this. Um, he's a smug <laughs> Rick with a P and, uh, he said something about, you know, yeah, we just made our team better. Definitely. And, uh, there's a lot of teams that can, can, that can win the cup or capable of winning the cup in the NHL right now. We're one of them. So he still has, uh, this is my plan. It's the best plan. And you shouldn't question it because it's the best plan. Kind and it's of in my it. head. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. It's in my anything. head. It's in my head. That's a real thing. What it's does that real... even mean? I always thought that was a myth. It's not. It's brutal. Oh, my God, dude. Yeah. Yeah, so but we... Uh... It's tough, too. Like, Mike Sullivan's not even doing his duties, I think, properly. Like, there's a lot of feelings in Pittsburgh. People are really hung up on feelings. Fans and players and management alike. And I'm like, have we lost the purpose of what we're doing here? Like, we are here to win. And... None of what you're doing is showing me that, literally. Let so, me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. So, I I'm kind of thinking this maybe ties into a little bit with what you're saying here with the feelings. From what I saw over the summer, Penguins fans were upset at the thought, at even the thought that Hextall wasn't going to bring Latang back or uh, Malkin, or or he was, but he was going to give him you know, like two, three year deals or something like that. Like I saw a lot of angry fans. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what were your kind of takes on, you know, what would you have done with those players? Traded them. You would have traded them. Absolutely. I may have kept Latang because Latang actually got a little bit better. He's had a tough season with some injuries and family stuff, but, and I, I don't know if I'd say that now, but then I might've, but Gino out gone. Like he's okay. He's a point, almost a point per game production, but he only gives 25%. Hmm. And I'll tell you, I've only been a Pens fan since 2015. I'm not going to get into the reasons why, but I am. So I don't know anything pre. I do as much as like what's when I like watch playoffs about the team Pittsburgh prior. Okay. So coming into it, I'm expecting like, oh yeah, Gino's this big thing. And I'm like, what is this? It's 25%. But he still has a lot of value. And teams would pick him up. And that would give us space to get a player that we could have for, you know, six to eight years like a generational player, whatever the case may be. Someone that's going to be there for not just right now, but for tomorrow and the next day kind of mm -hmm. thing. Um, and it was this, I was pissed. And they, all the fans, like, they want it all together. And, and it's like, well, what? I'm not like other Pens fans. You, you, you kind of um, can put your feelings aside a little bit, I guess. Because I'm, I'm assuming coach, that's, I'm a that's coach. Okay. So, like, I, I come in hockey not as a fan in any angle. Like I, I, I've actually been a GM too, um, yeah, yeah. but yeah, like it's, it's, I've been coaching for 23 years. I I've worked in hockey in all different areas, whatever, whatever. So when I look at a game and I look at production, I look at everything, it's not the same way as like a fan would. I look at it as in it's like work. This is business. This is like my, my, my career is hockey. I've trained players and it's, it's just different. So like, I've never been on board of the fan perspective because the fan are, it's about feelings. It's about the feeling experience, right? Sure. The coach is about winning. So, yeah, yeah, I don't have too many Pens fans, friends. So when it came time to sign a 35-year-old Evgeny Malkin, you were like, well, take a year or two deal or we're going to, you know, you got to move them. 
he's going to be 37 this in a couple months. By the time he's done this deal, he will be 40 years old. Yeah. We have Chris Letang for six years. <laughs> I don't understand that for a second. Why did why did you? I don't understand signing Chris Letang into his 40s. Can you help me understand that a little bit? I, I don't, I don't get I could, it. I would. Feelings. Did it, that did it made absolute. I was happy when I saw that because I'm like, oh well, man, the Penguins are going to go down quicker than I thought here. I bet <laughs> I mean, you will win a cup before you guys do. I mean, probably, like, <laughs> right, Jack? Like, there's no, there's no end in sight to this misery. Like, no. we we still want to see how far down we can go. Yeah, yeah. ours is record breaking stuff. We're on another level. Yeah, I mean, one hundred sixty-seven thousand uh, days. I don't know. I seen that. I seen the Twitter account. I haven't seen it in a while. Well, I mean, you might want to double that because we don't know what's. We just don't know. I mean, it, <laughs> I go sure. back and listen to the first hour of this episode, and it's just all darkness. There's just darkness. nothing good coming. Yeah. Hello, um, Doctor Smile, friend. Yeah, hey, don't feel like an old friend. That's <laughs> all we got. And but guess who started that for us? Mm-hmm. He's your GM now, so that's why I'm like, oh my god, like he's gonna, he's like a, he's gonna take down the pens, whether he has, he already intentionally has, he's or already unintentionally. People are just in denial. There's like. I have faith. I have hope. And I'm like, okay, enjoy it. Yeah. Like, like when it comes time to sign like a Jake Gensel, like, you know, I don't know. Do you knows? don't even want to get me started on how many of our players have no move con- con- clauses or no trade clause- clauses. Like Jeff Carter way. has one. Who the heck do you think you are, bro? <laughs> he sure does. Oh my God. Who do you think? And so many of them do. And it's like, oh my God, I wanted Russ traded. I thought we could get some money for tra- Russ. And then I'm like, yeah, he's got no trade. And I'm like, why did they let them do this? Carter's got one. Ricard Raquel's got one. Brian Rust has one. Who has he been as good as he was? No. Didn't he have a really good year and he got that contract, right? He's he's Brian Rust can be really good. Um, but I just haven't been feeling it from him in the last year yeah. or so. But he can be really good. When he's on, he's on. And it's definitely worth keeping, but not for extended periods. I don't like these long, long contracts with players that are streaky. You know, for sure, mm-hmm. it's just all feelings. They're trying to recapture those two back-to-back cups, but they're missing some pieces that they had then that they don't have now, and they're in denial. So, this I, I haven't looked at the Penguins roster, but oh my god, it, it really is old. They they have bro, three guys. Tweet on it. Go on my thing and scroll down. I actually wrote it all out, and I I, I there's four I, players under you. the age of 26, and that's it. Everyone else is 30 and up. Like this no, is I think there's eight players. You're gonna make me do this, okay? Give me okay, a no, you're there right. There, right. There's some guys I missed here. No, I have it right here, literally right here. Mm-hmm. So we have three players be- between the age of 23 and 25. We have eight between tw- uh, 26 and 29. One of those will be 30. So joining the 10 that are between 30 and 34, and then there was five, 35 to 38. So almost 16. And this was just after the trade deadline. I don't even know who Tony Sund is and why he's on this list, but he was. So we have 10 defensemen too. That's another thing. 10, 10 defensemen and, and three right wing. What are your wow. thoughts on uh, Jeff Petrie so far? I want him gone too. I was not happy about him coming. <laughs> sure, he scored two goals the other night, but it's like. Oh, did he really? Hasn't get been, he's old. Yeah. There was talk that the the Flyers were going to bring him in. I think around last year. Remember that, Jack? Oh yeah, that was. He's how we're still got stuff in him. You can have him. 
Well, you heard he didn't even want to come here, so <laughs> yeah, that was probably a flash in the pan. We've been hearing that a lot lately. A lot of players, yeah, multiple different players, players, coaches, GMs. It's great. Yeah, a lot of fun out here. So, uh, we've got a couple minutes left to hear, Jen. Where do you see the Penguins' season going? I mean, how do you see it going the rest of the year? They make the playoffs, or is this the year they finally, uh, you know, is this the beginning of the end? So when Gino resigned, I said watch them miss the playoffs this year. So that was back in July last July and they've been struggling to keep that playoff spot for what a couple months now they could make it. They could not. It really depends. I I'm leaning more towards they will make it, but they're not going to see the second round. I don't think our goaltending isn't strong enough. If we have absolutely no chemistry on our, on our team, have you watched the Boston Bruins play or the Carolina hurricanes? Like they're flawless hockey right down in every single area. And a team like Pittsburgh can't compete. Not, not with what we have. We're not fast enough. We think we're faster than we are. We think we're fast, but we're not. So I don't see them making a pass around one. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a sweep, depending on who they played. You know, I haven't really looked at the standings just because, as a as a Flyers fan, we don't really we don't really um, have a need to look at the playoff standings nope. at least for the last no. couple. You of years. guys were kind of there at one point. You were in the you were in the race. Yeah, you were for like the middle our, of January. Archie never minded us every chance he got. Yeah. We're in the playoff race, guys. Things aren't that bad. You're not. I was looking before this, and I'm like, mm, maybe not. But it's yeah. it's. What are you at? Like ten points? 10, 13, 11, 12 points? It's still possible with twenty games. You just have to go on a run. Uh yeah, massive run. Yeah, I think you know the majority of fans, even the fans that were rooting for playoffs, like myself, at one point, we are now you know rooting to lose as many games as we can during these last twenty games because. Even because it's like if they do make the playoffs, if Pittsburgh's not going to get past the first round, where you know the Flyers are going to get smashed into smithereens, and yeah. they're going to end up playing Boston or Carolina first yeah. round, it would just be an absolute abomination. I don't think I've watched you guys this season. We haven't played each other. No, we have. I've watched. Hey, no, we have. Doing yourself yeah, we have. a favor. Yeah. I mean, you'd get enjoyment out of it, but we get headaches watching them. You want to see something funny? So, yeah. you see my Pittsburgh Penguins mm-hmm. background. I actually have one of these too. Get the hell out. It's like not mine. I bought it for someone a long time ago, <laughs> but I had to dig it out. I'm like, for once. <laughs> there you go. Isn't that funny though? Like, con- con- like funny. it shouldn't even be in the same room, right? It's kind of gross. Yeah. It's kind of like my movie. face beside all this orange. No, I love you guys. I'm kidding. All right. Thank you. All right. So you're saying prediction first round exit. They're probably going to be playing the Carolina Hurricanes or the Boston Bruins. Both teams are machines, like you said. Boston Bruins are on a 10-game win streak, 49-8-5, and which is incredible. And you know what? Because they're having the year that they're having, I feel like we're overlooking the Carolina Hurricanes a little bit. I had Carolina versus Toronto for the conference final in the East. Get out. Does does Ryan O'Reilly missing a couple months change that at all? Are you sticking with that? Is he out? Yeah. I want to say I saw four months, but I don't know. If I saw true. it happening before O'Reilly came to Toronto. I have faith in Murray if he plays. I don't know yeah. what's going on with him. Well, that would be fun. But yeah, no, no, no. I, I think Boston might choke. Yeah, but we've, but we've, we've, both teams we've played have beat us every time. So we're toast. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we're there with you. So I'm sorry. We'll, uh, we'll see you guys. Saturday. Did we play it all this year? Do you guys remember? Yeah, we did. I feel like at least once. Once. We played once. 
What's up with I that, have... by the way? Are they, oh, so four to one back in November. Pittsburgh won four one. That was uh, yeah. on Thanksgiving. Oh, the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah, we tend to have you guys remember. Tend to. Yeah, yeah. Believe us, we know, Jen. You don't have to remind us over here, like <laughs> Chuck Fletcher. We know, we know. <laughs> uh, so we got you guys on Saturday away, and then away again on April second. That's a Sunday. Um. Jen, we are coming to the end of this episode. It is officially officially 9.20. Do you um, have anything you want to shout out? We know you have your own show. Uh, go ahead. Everything you want to get out there, all your socials, anything you want to promote. Yeah, no, I'm not really a promotion person. I mean, find me online at Shoot With Authority. And, yeah, I'm, that's it. <laughs> you want to promote the sh your, your show's uh... – Oh, I, I guessed on the donut bag for – There you go, the donut bag. Penguins. I didn't want to say that and wrong. And I'm also en route to coach in the NHL, so. Get the hell out. Beautiful. You want to talk about that or maybe next time? Sure. Another time. All right, Another cool. Time. That's awesome. We'd love to hear about that. Awesome. Um, so, all right, Miss Jennifer Trefaro. Jennifer, thanks for hanging out. We'll have to talk soon, and uh, hopefully we beat you guys on Saturday. <laughs> nope. <laughs> all right, we'll let you drop off. Take care, Jen. Ciao, Thank you too. All right, there you go. So, uh, yeah, good talking hockey with Jen. She's, she's you know, very smart, obviously, uh, knows a lot about the game, been coaching uh, for over 20 years. Um, Jack, any final thoughts before we wrap up on this week's episode? All I can say is Flyers are screwed, but we're not the only team that's screwed. And I <laughs> guess I guess there's solace in that. Yes, I, I guess, right? Like, at least we're not here alone. <laughs> would, would you – which – team would you rather be in this moment in time erasing any history would you rather be the penguins this year or the flyers this year oh man with no history yeah i probably would lean flyers i, I feel like they uh but see i don't know what i'm allowed to remember or what i'm now not, not Nothing. allowed to there is no there is no team history the front at all. This this is bad they're just having a bad season that's it uh, they're uh, just penguins. closer to rebuilding than than uh, the Penguins are. I don't know if you can trade all those players away. You get, like, who's going to take Malkin? Or if they do, are you going to get anything worthwhile? Like, at least the Flyers have some prospects coming. They have the, a better coach for where they're at right now. That you know, it's all other things they need to to handle. They have young players. They have guys developing. They're, they're trying to trade players that they should be. Where Pittsburgh's still in that we're going for it mode. It's a snowballs chance in hell but because we nostalgia because of crosby they're kind of forced to you know i still think they're gonna go for it next year too like they're gonna try to shuffle the deck and figure it out and you're just prolonging the inevitable which is not something i like to do very true um i don't know i, <laughs> I don't know I, it's, it's, hard, I, tough question. <laughs> it's a hard question. Um, I guess I would rather be the Penguins. Uh, they have better players. They're going to be in the playoffs for at least one year. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, at least once, right? Yeah, at least once. <laughs> uh, so we have a comment here, not in the uh, YouTube, uh, from Michael Gamberg. Michael, I hope you're watching on YouTube. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly is out for four weeks and will be ready for the start of the playoffs. So there you four go. Four weeks. Okay. You said yeah. four months. Well, I'm Big sorry. I did say four months. Uh, you're right. Yep. Four weeks. Sorry about that. 
Oh, yeah, that's great. I, I, I do want to see Toronto finally get past the first goddamn round. They're too do you, good. Do you? Because as, as cool as it would be, do you remember when the Cleveland Browns like sucked for so long? Like they stink again, but still do. <laughs> it was always kind of like, didn't they go for like two seasons without winning a game or, or something weird like that? I don't that? think it was that bad, but they were they're always at the bottom. They're like always, I, they're always at the bottom. I always rooted against them because I'm like, yeah, like just stay bad. Like don't ever get good. Dude, and you so, know, one year they went ten and six and missed the playoffs. Did they really? Like, see, I like I love that, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so, for example, with the Maple Leafs, I enjoy watching them play. Like, for, for fantasy purposes, for like selfish reasons, I have Tavares, Nylander, Marner all on my team. So I want them to do very well in the regular season, obviously. Come playoffs, though, I kind of take enjoyment seeing them not be able to get out. of Like, like last year, they lost to Tampa Bay in seven games, right? Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was amazing. Like, it was a great series. They they should have probably won. But the will of Tampa Bay was just greater than Toronto's will to get out of the first round. They're and, playing Eastern Conference Championship ga- games in the first round of playoffs. That's part exactly, of the problem. Exactly. And uh, it's probably going to be the same this year. Let me see if their matchup is all but set real quick. I'm sorry for the delay, ladies and gentlemen. We'll wrap this up in just a second. Uh, so right now, Toronto is pegged to play yet again. Tampa Bay. Jeez. First round. Tampa Bay uh, looks like they're slipping a little bit. A little bit. But we know that they turn it on. Can they Can they do it one more time? I hope not. 23-5-4 at home. Toronto's 23-6-4, so two very good home teams. You, uh, you know why I want to see Toronto win? Sure. You brought up fantasy. I have Austin Matthews, yes, a huge do. fan. And you know what I really want to do? I want to I want to pair a really good Austin Matthews in Toronto with Con- with Connor Bedard. Because I just got some news today that the odds of me getting the first overall pick are pretty high. Oh, we're doing a, a lottery. Is that right? Or no? No. no. Who's, for, <laughs> who's first do you have? Not yet. Not yet. I have, because of the pick swap thing, I have whoever – is like pretty either at second to last or last, and we're like in our left final week. And the way the matchups are, I got a text out of nowhere that just said, "You're probably going to get the first overall pick of the draft." And I said, "Don't mess with me like that." <laughs> yeah, so that that's what I'm excited about: Austin Matthews and Connor Bedard. They're both forwards, so it means nothing. I don't have a goalie, a good enough goalie. Vasilevsky still can't win games, so I don't know. That, that idea is juicy. You'd be able to pair up Toronto Maple Leaf, Connor, um, Toronto Maple Leaf, Austin Matthews with uh, Philadelphia Flyer, Connor Bedard. How about that? That'd be, the, that'd be the next part of the story when the Flyers somehow get the pick because we're owed it. We're literally owed it from every previous, past, and future god of hockey, gods in general. We, we are just owed, owed this so bad. I'm not going to get it, but we are owed it so, so bad. I think it could happen. I think <laughs> I think it could. Amazing in the outfield. I I, yeah. I really. <laughs> I think I just have this this feeling where it's like they could finish, like because it, it's it's happened before, where New York, the Rangers jumped from eight to one, the Devils jumped from three to one to five to three or something like that. It's our turn. 
It's our turn, Gary Batman. I don't care. Do whatever you got to do. Fix the lottery balls. Do whatever you have to do. Go into your little room and pretend, you know, you pick the ball out and it's, oh my God, it's a flyer pee on it. <laughs> do it. Like, we need it. If there's a franchise that needs, like, Arizona doesn't need Connor Bedard. They're not going to watch hockey regardless. You, you know, Jim, I, I don't want to, like, because of the guests we had, I don't want to bring this up. It feels a little sleazy, but there was a team that was in dire, dire straits and most likely going to move, which looks really, really bad on the league. And then just poof, they got Sidney Crosby. Yeah. Well, <laughs> After they already had. A uh, very, very bad pick the previous season. They got him after a, a lockout season, a completely canceled season. They got poof, Sidney Crosby. Give me a break. It could happen. It could, it's been done before. It could happen again. I don't even care anymore. I just want to. I just want to be good. <laughs> We're owed it. We're so owed it. Just make it happen and shut the hell up. Let's end it. Let's end the show on that note. <laughs> We're gonna get Connor Bedard. It's locked in. Uh, Gary we ended on a positive note. Can you believe that? We're getting Connor Bedard. Unbelievable. <laughs> After good years. Had... All right, we're going to get ready to sign off here. Kenny Grant, thank you as always for hanging out. Kenny G, great show. Great show, fellas. Thanks, Kenny, for hanging out, man. We appreciate it. Uh, Dave, agreed, Kenny. Great show, boys. It was fun. Thanks for hanging out. Dave, uh, Anthony as well, thanks for hanging out. Thank you to our guests, Miss Jennifer yeah, thanks, Farrell. Awesome. Yeah. Good questions. Yeah, great hanging out. As always, so that's going to do it for our 19th episode of Season 5, Boys and Girls. Uh, next time you catch us live, I think we're going to try to shoot for potentially Tuesday next week. If not, we'll be back on our uh, on our Wednesday night. So, uh, yeah, make sure everyone's drinking your green stuff. Take your vitamins. Stay healthy out there. Enjoy the rest of your night. And go Flyers. Go Flyers. Go Flyers.